Welcome to the Pinch to Zoom podcast, the show where we zoom in on the latest tech news, products, and trends. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And in this episode, we're talking about the worst tech products of 2020 and some of the biggest tech fails. But before we get into that, let's start off with quick news. All right, welcome to Quick News, where we talk about what's new, what's news, and what could be new in the world of tech. Starting off, we have new products, which really, by this time of year, all the new products are out. I know we've harped on it over and over again, like the release cycle, hardware season, and stuff like that. So that's all kind of passed. By now, it's just kind of a trickling of tech products. And interestingly, actually, a lot of like cinema videography-focused releases are coming out now. Uh, we'll talk about some Aperture stuff and some lenses and some other things coming out there. But first off, uh, we have the Apple product, which has been getting a lot of hate online in some corners of the internet, or maybe if you're in an Apple-friendly corner, a lot of love. And these are the AirPods Max. These are Apple's new headphones. I think they're designed for budget consumers, right, Gabe? They start... Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, totally for budget friend. No, these are completely insane what i saw headphones. a i saw a funny comment that said i get why they're called the max it's because apple maxed out the price these start at 550 dollars. yeah that's really probably what all most people know about them is they cost 550 dollars. and the carrying case looks like a bra it yeah it looks horrible now besides just totally trashing these products and ripping them apart there are some cool features in there. Obviously, has Apple's you know spatial audio that they put in the AirPods Pro. It has great noise canceling with the nine microphones, as well as a pass-through feature. And it actually uses the digital crown kind of design from the Apple Watch as the volume button, which I'm not 100% sure if I love, but it does look something cool. You know, oh, it's, I think it's that's different. great. I mean, instead of like... Because the other headphones, the Bose 700s and the Sony WH-1000XM4s, they're actually using touch capacitive ear cups, which a lot of times don't work in colder weather. Uh, They're more finicky and they're more challenging to use. So I actually think the physical tactile digital crown, the spinning of that is a really nice feature. I do like the tactile thing, but I'm just not sure turning a thing on it. You just like flick it with your finger and it spins. I guess. Gabe has to try it first. We'll have to see. I'll have to go into an Apple store or something. Oh, or, no, no, you oh, don't. Oh, pandemic. no, you don't. You're uh, staying right here. Yeah, what else is new, not Gabe? Not letting me get infected. Uh, the one, one more thing, though, is if you did want to get these, you, you know, if you had that $550 burning a hole in your pocket and you're like, this is it, uh, you're going to have to now wait 12 to 14 weeks as they're already back ordered through the moon. You know, I honestly think this was part of Apple's plan. I think they thought, all right, you know, we don't have a huge supply of these, so let's just sell them, you know, for a premium, premium price. And then also create a huge hype around them as they get you know back ordered and people are like I want these I got to get them, so this could be it's, a really smart release. It's brilliant. They created hype, they created demand, and it's sort of a fashion status symbol now. If you see someone wearing AirPods Max, you know like they've got the cool new Apple product. They do look really nice. Are they worth five fifty? We've yet to see. We'll have to see. All right. So moving on into more reasonable products, we had Sigma who is known for their great, uh, you know, affordable lenses for everything from Canon, Nikon, pretty much every camera out there. They launched their new i-series uh, lenses or, or new lenses in that series of lenses. And that is the 24, 35, and 65 millimeter. Now these are focused on mirrorless cameras 
uh, with full frame sensors and they come in an E mount for Sony cameras or the L mount for Leica cameras. And yeah, they're very affordable, all around $600 or so. So I think we'll see a lot of people picking these up most likely. Yeah, Sigma's known for their great quality and affordable prices. And speaking of a company known for great quality and affordable prices, we actually had some great new products from Aperture. Well, they're not really known for affordable prices. They've well, been known I, really for great products and for reasonable a, prices. For a while it was reasonable prices, but they've been slowly skewing higher and higher. And, you know, with their last product, I think, was the Nova 3000. That's around like $1,700, which compared to other products that it has similar specs to, yeah, it's reasonably priced. But for most people out there, that's a bit pricey. Sure, I can understand right? that. But uh, they didn't, well, for first, they didn't, can you know, didn't end that trend. And they came out with the 600D Pro, which really is actually kind of the 600D, which they announced way back in 2019 at IBC. But they, you know, kept developing it, kept developing it. And then when they got to like, this is our light, they realized that it was more of a pro than the original 600D they were planning to build. So they now have announced the 600D Pro. They will eventually announce an actual 600D. But for now, the 600D Pro goes for $1,890. It's waterproof or like completely, you know, really durable for outside uh, use situations. They said it could basically survive in the rain. So if it starts yeah. raining, you're on a shoot, you're totally fine. Which is really great as you know if anyone is in the film industry a lot of times you need to shoot in the rain or similar situations so having that ability is really awesome uh it's also you know works with basically every control system possible wireless dmx it has the situs link yeah it just we're, i'm not gonna spend too much time talking about this because it's a very niche market but go check this out if you've been looking for a really great awesome light this is the way to go if, on the other hand, you're looking for something more affordable now, Aperture has said, hey, we see you guys. You know, we've seen the success of our Aperture, uh, what is it, MC, RGB, WW, and the B7C. And so they released the new Ameren 100D, 100X, 200D, and 200X. And these are basically, they took their Ameren light panel line, which was affordable light panels, and brought them now to single light uh, LED chip on board um, lights which for like they're starting at two hundred dollars yes very affordable the prices are two hundred dollars for the 100d and 250 for the 100x so d is daylight x is bicolor and then for the 200d and 200x it's 300 and 350 dollars respectively so these are really great lights i think they're kind of competing now with godox because godox was sort of getting a name for offering undercutting them for sure yeah undercutting and still great quality so now aperture kind of uh, coming back here, really high CRI rating of 95, and the number, either 100 or 200, corresponds with the wattage of the lights. So if you're interested in budget lighting, highly suggest you check these out, and they work with pretty much all the Aperture accessories as well. Yeah, they're not as well built as Aperture's, you know, 120D, 300D, or whatever, because they don't have that metal exterior, and, you know, they're obviously cutting price, but they really emphasize that they took everything they learned from their previous lights and all the success that they have had thus far and packaged it down into the essence of what people are going to want at that price point, which they, you know, makes sense. If you're buying the more expensive light, you're more likely going to be the type of person who's, you know, setting it up, tearing it down, chucking it into a gear truck. Whereas if you're going more budget, you're maybe like, you know, a YouTuber like us who would just put up the lights and leave them set up and you don't really need durable. Exactly, exactly. And Gabe, it looks like you actually found a few more sort of film related items here. Uh, what else is new in the world? Yeah, so of just some small film. other things to mention. We had SERP, who does time lapse sliders and stuff like that. Great New Zealand brand. They released a Genie Micro, which for 160 bucks 
adds the ability to wirelessly control your camera from your smartphone, which could be helpful for people doing time lapses and stuff like that. We also saw Luxly, which makes small little LED panels release the fiddle, which if you don't know Luxly, they name all their stuff after like orchestra, vi viola, violin, like different instruments and stuff. And the fiddle is a $200 portable RGBAW, so that's red, green, blue, amber, white LED light with built-in battery and an OLED color screen, kind of going after the you know MC RGBWW uh, category, but definitely more expensive at $200 and slightly bigger. So, you know, great color quality as well with their lights. Finally, we had Leica, which you want to talk about expensive. They are definitely known for, you know, releasing expensive cameras. That's kind of their premium area. And they released the SL2S, which they already have the SL2. The SL2S goes for $4,895. Definitely not cheap, uh, but it is a full-frame mirrorless camera. That actually, you know, besides the standard Leica photography, you know, focused cameras, this one has some pretty decent video specs with, I think, 10-bit and 4K60 and stuff like that. So if you want to drop $5,000 on a, you know, mirrorless full-frame camera that's not the R5 or one of those other great cameras we've seen released this year, and like it could be the way to go. Sure, absolutely. In wireless, we had some interesting news this week uh, from a lot of the big carriers. We're doing a C-band auction, which means the FCC is auctioning off the mid-band spectrum that the carriers are going to need to build out their mid-band 5G networks. Uh, this is pretty huge and is ongoing. Rumors are reporting that the first day of auctions saw $1.9 billion in spending uh, for these frequencies. Another wireless news, T-Mobile just announced new hotspot plans. Definitely check these out. They're pretty great. Uh, the top tier one is 50 bucks for 100 gigs of hotspot data. Additionally, T-Mobile is now selling a 5G hotspot device, uh, which you can pick up if you're interested in getting some 5G speeds over a hotspot modem. Now, moving on to one of our favorite companies, Apple. They are working on their own cellular modems. This is in their effort to basically ditch Qualcomm and develop their own cellular modem for connectivity for 4G, LTE, and 5G on uh, their future iPhones. This will hopefully allow them to make better integrations, better battery efficiency, and better performance. Next, moving on to Microsoft, we have xCloud Beta coming to iOS in spring 2021. For those of you who may be unfamiliar, xCloud is part of Xbox Game Pass, $15 a month for streaming games over the cloud, and the new service will support iPhone and iPad through a mobile web browser called an accelerated mobile web app. And the PC support will also come pretty soon. And yeah, it's currently in beta on Android phones if you're interested in checking out xCloud Gaming. Next, we have some news from Google. Gabe, you want to chime in here? We had some pretty good YouTube news. Yeah, YouTube now supports live streams in HDR. I personally think this is so that they can you know, support the new phones which are able to shoot HDR and take advantage of that. But if you're watching HDR, I don't know who's really interested in getting that great of quality. It's more about having good audio and interesting content. But hey, you can now see HDR. We saw some stats on YouTube gaming. Supposedly they hit over 100 billion hours of watch time. And interestingly, I saw also a comparison between Twitch and YouTube gaming over this past like nine months or whatever since the pandemic hit. And it looks like actually YouTube gaming has seen far larger growth than Twitch, which is very interesting. I don't know if it shows that mainly when like mainstream people are coming to gaming, they go more to YouTube or what, but it was interesting stats nonetheless. I think YouTube is probably the biggest competitor of Twitch right now, and they've positioned themselves very well with the upcoming Stadia integration with YouTube, where you can actually live stream right from Stadia. I think that's super cool. 
Uh, we also had some news with Android. They had their December security patch update, introduced a few new features that you may be interested in, uh, most notably for the Pixel 4a 5G and the Pixel 5. The phone will now auto switch between LTE and 5G. There's more style customizations for the home screen, including new Mandalorian wallpapers for those who are watching them. And you also got some other improvements. Finally, uh, Google launched Google Health Studios, an app to help do health research. Gabe, I don't know if you've used the uh, health app on iPhone, but I think you can actually participate in research studies there as well. Yeah, I know. And I've done it for Fitbit actually too. They really integrate stuff. And it's really a cool way to, you know, take anonymous data from your smartwatch or your Fitbit, you know, activity tracker, and then give that to scientists and researchers who can then look at it and be like, oh, here's, you know, looking at this different age range or movement range or whatever, they can then get your data and be like, oh, cool. We can figure out some awesome things or new ways that you can use that data, Fitbit or Apple or whatever to give people great information and results. Great information, great results. What's nice is Google's more affordable phones do tend to reach different demographics of users. So this really could help uh, pool larger demographics and more people. Next up, uh, we have some news from Warner Media. They are, or they have announced that movies will be debuted on HBO Max and in theaters on the same day. And then it will remain on HBO Max for 30 days it will leave HBO Max and be in theaters only. And then at some undetermined point in the future, it will be returning to HBO Max. Yeah, I think this completes full circle what I predicted back in April or March, maybe, when I said that we are basically going to see the end of movie theaters. And I think it's coming faster than I even thought possibly. You know, Warner is kind of hiding behind saying, oh, this is because of the pandemic. We're just trying this for a year, guys. You know, this is totally not uh, something we're thinking of doing. We don't want to boost our subscriber numbers. No, not at all, right? And what it is really is they're using the pandemic so that they can save face and go, oh, you know, if it didn't, if you know, for some reason it doesn't translate into more users or really the the direct results that they want to see of, boom, we've spent this much money and we got this much uh, money we made back, then they can be like, yeah, this was just the pandemic. Now we're going to go back to doing it in theaters and they're not going to anger movie theaters uh, beyond what they've already like <laughs> yeah. right if they just were went cold turkey and there was nothing pandemic happening and they did this uh, a lot of movie theaters would protest and not play their content whatsoever. significantly more backlash that's yeah. absolutely true so we'll have to see though what this uh you know turns out to be i think for me it's a great way uh that i can see you know what they have the new one coming out wonder woman 1984 coming yeah, out christmas, christmas day, day. i'm excited i cannot wait for that right oh and you also got some great movies next year so yeah. it's going to benefit the consumers but It could be the end of movie theaters, so. All right, two more items in news. Uh, In other streaming news, Netflix has updated Netflix Kids to help parents understand what their kids are watching. I thought this was really cute. They showed the TV show and like little bios of the different characters. So if you're a parent, you don't want to waste 20 minutes watching a kid show, which I'm sure is enthralling and deeply engaging to you. You can get a quick little snippet of what you need to know to interact with your kid, understand what they're talking about. And finally... Adobe has released their ARM version of Adobe Lightroom, thanks to Apple kind of pushing forward with ARM on their new Apple Macs. All right, Gabe, hit us. What is next in the world of tech? Uh, well, we mentioned that you know Apple AirPods were pre-ordered and then sold out. They're actually arriving December 15th, so uh, keep an eye out for those if you ordered them. If not, uh, well, I guess you're going to have to go black market or Next year, eBay. baby. They're yeah. coming next year. Just wait till next year. 
we also did see Apple launch Apple Fitness Plus, which if you don't know, is there, I think it's $10 a month subscription. That sounds right. And you basically get access to all these classes they've made of, you know, different trainings and, you know, it could be biking, you know, running workouts, HIIT workouts, yoga. And what's really cool is it utilizes, you know, your Apple Watch if you have it to put the stats on your iPad or whatever screen you're looking at and it overlays them. Yeah, it's it's a great, you know, another great example of Apple using the fact that they just, you know, have a complete like closed little environment here and they can, you know, use the hardware, the software and just push that data around and, you know, really leverage it in a great way. Uh, we also did see, now this is, we're talking about one of my favorite companies here, DJI. And I don't think we're going to see this before the end of the year, but we did see their FPV drone combo, like the packaging actually leak. And this usually means that you're pretty close to a release once they have the packaging out. Like yeah, when so we saw with, the, pretty with the Mini 2, when we saw a packaging leak, it was within about a week and a half, two weeks that we actually saw the drone released. So this- it, it could be coming out in the next week or so, but I have a feeling it's probably not. I mean, DJI is a Chinese company, so they're not about the Christmas holiday as much. They could be more basing their whole schedule around the uh, Chinese New Year and stuff like that, which would be basically you wouldn't want to release it too close to like February when that is. But I have a feeling we're going to be seeing this most likely come the new year around CES. That makes sense. That makes sense. And if people don't know what this is, basically DJI has released, you know, FPV headset before. FPV drones are like those kind of zooming around racing drones. And this is basically going to be DJI kind of jumping into that market. And boy, all FPV drone makers should really be scared because if DJI is just as successful as they were with their regular drones, there's, yeah. It won't be... It's curtains. It won't be what FPV drone do you buy. It'll be what DJI FPV drone yeah, do you buy. Which, year, which model you have and which accessories and such. And finally, in kind of more far out rumors, we had the Samsung S21, S21 Plus, and S21 Ultra. Uh, we had the teaser video. This, yeah. this seems to always happen, right? Yeah, it does. It's uh, it's slated actually for a slightly earlier launch this year, uh, January as opposed to February. Design changes, new camera design on the back, flat displays on the S21 and S21 Plus with a curved screen on the S21 Ultra, potentially a plastic back on the S21. Samsung kind of gearing for a more budget lineup potentially. Uh, we may see S Pen support and potentially the drop of the Note lineup of phones and we, of course, are getting the Snapdragon 888 processor in the new phones. With, I just like uh, that number. Yeah, integrated 5G. 888, boom. Integrated 5G. It should be great. And we might actually see a new fingerprint reader. And most comically, there may not be a charger or earbuds in the That's box. That's a great feature, though. They're trying to save the environment. Wow. Well, it looks like Samsung's development team and marketing team do not talk to yeah. each other. Because I remember the marketing absolutely took shots at Apple. Oh, for sure. So they did the ironic. same thing when Apple removed the uh, auxiliary jack, too. Yeah, I think. it's crazy. So, it's crazy. Yeah, Apple does weird things, and then everyone follows them, pretty much. So, yeah, that wraps up news. Let's get on to our main topic, which is the worst tech products of 2020. We have been talking and doing special bonus episodes in our countdown of the best tech products of 2020, and really like a showdown March Madness-style bracket. Uh, we're making our way through, you know, we have the smartphones, we have the cameras, drones, everything. You can go listen to that. It's on our main podcast feed. Just go look for the best of tech episodes. They're really fun. But we decided 
you know, we should probably also do the worst of tech because oftentimes those are the most memorable things. The most memorable, the most interesting, and uh, sometimes the funniest ones to kind of look back and laugh on. Yeah. So Gabe, what do you have? Well, why don't you go first? I think you have more things than All me. All right. So, so the first one I had, and it makes me a little sad to put it here, but I'm going to go Microsoft Surface Duo. All right, yeah, I I forgot to put this one in. So but this is the worst this, of tech. Interestingly, this was in our best of tech. Uh, it was it in was the smartphones it, category. No, I don't think it was. Did yes, it, make it was. It? it was in. It was. Oh yeah, we the added first round. It. it was Microsoft Duo versus the yeah, so Z Fold or two. I thought whatever. it was the best of tech because of the idea and conception behind it, but the actual execution turned out to be the worst of tech. Yes, and if you think about it, it was the worst folding phone that came out this year, right? Yep. And it was also the worst regular phone that came out this year. I, I don't know about that necessarily. Do you really think so? There weren't worse phones that came out. I think there were probably I, worse phones. Maybe. Well, it but, was pretty bad all But around. it was more just, like you said, the, the greatness of the idea and really of some of the features and you know what they were pushing in the beginning and advertising and then just the failure of what actually materialized. Yeah, so what the Surface Duo was was the phone that was dual screens and actually folded in half. Uh, and the problems with it were really the software lag. This device was slow, cumbersome to use, potentially not as intuitive. Gabe, you actually said yeah. you had hands-on Yeah, I experience. went on into a Best Buy, and within a minute and a half, not even of using, it had basically shut down and went to black screen, and I just put it down carefully and walked away <laughs> like I was never here. So that, to me, indicates that we have a great start on something that could be really cool, but it wasn't there, and it was also hindered by the expensive... $1,400 price tag with only 128 gigs of internal storage. It was kind of an expensive first attempt that in my eyes was a really cool idea that didn't quite pan out as Microsoft was hoping. All right, Gabe, what do you have for one of your products? Yeah, because that's kind of a hard one to follow up. But, you know, I was. I, let's move into cameras area, I guess. I was originally thinking Sigma FP because... This was, uh, you know, proposed as this great small full-frame camera, smallest full-frame camera on the market, but actually it was surpassed, I think, by the new A7C. I'm pretty sure it's actually even possibly smaller. No, maybe not. I think the it's still the same size. But anyways, this camera was proposed as this awesome thing, you know, really original design and didn't really, you know, materialize. Autofocus, not so great. They have released updates. It's gotten slightly better in some ways, but it's kind of been surpassed and almost forgotten about by you know the r5 and the a7s3 and other cameras that have since come out so i don't think that's a fail though i think that's just all right guys you know yeah, try again it's, better it's almost uh you know it's almost actually like the the duo to some degree where it's a good idea and like a reasonable product but the pricing and the competition just but made i don't it kind of but it still flat. works like the duo doesn't work in some, <laughs> okay, right okay. like fair enough like the failure wasn't quite as much so i don't think that gets into the worst and yeah i, I remember we talked about it and we loved the dedicated like movie button like you yeah you there's swapped. still some things that work really great about it i feel like with the duo there was just never <laughs> things that worked great about it so that yeah that didn't make it anyways the camera that did make it is probably one you haven't even heard about. It's the Zeiss ZX-1. Now, all right, so I'll just start with the specs. So 37.4 megapixel full-frame camera. All right, good. Sounds good. Uh, 512 gigabyte internal SSD. Wow, that's Ooh. new. I don't. And think guess what? The ability to edit on Lightroom Mobile using the built-in 4.4-inch touchscreen. Okay, so it's like a smartphone that's actually a really nice full-frame yeah, camera. Right? That sounds pretty However, cool. However... Three frames per second max burst speed. 
poor uh, autofocus with no subject tracking or face detection, and worst of all, a fixed 35 millimeter f2 lens. Oh, wait, actually, hold on, I forgot to mention how much are you paying for this? You're paying six thousand oh. dollars for this camera. Yes, that is why this is making it onto our worst of tech 2020. You know, Zeiss is trying to go the like route here. But they're actually a thousand dollars more than the already uh, pricey Leica Q2, which has way better specs. I think it has like 45 megapixels, 20 frames a second, you know, just all around. And it's a Leica, so it has that brand name. This, you know, it it looks like a good idea. Oh, cool! You can edit on your camera, but then you eventually are probably gonna have to send it. You know, it does run Android, but I think you're probably gonna have to send it to your phone eventually. Or do you want to post it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't really want to. Really, like, I don't really want to edit my photos holding my camera in my hand. Like you want to hold a like the phone is so much more comfortable in yeah, the hand, right? And it's a it is. I mean, granted, they did actually put a decent screen on there. I forget what the PPI is, but it's it's pretty good. Yeah, but so, then you have to worry about the color accuracy of that. And again, yeah. you're using a camera. Well, that's a camera just, that's a fixed lens too. Yeah, it's just overall really you know. It's a swing and a miss. I don't know what you're doing here. I would like to see the numbers of how many people actually buy this, but I just, yeah, this is this is way too expensive for what it is. I have a feeling you'll be picking this up for maybe like $3,000 in a year and a half or so. Sure. I have some cameras I would like right, to add yeah. to this uh, dumpster pile we okay. have going on here. Yep. Uh, two cameras, Canon M50 Mark II and the Panasonic G100. So Canon M50 Mark II, uh, this is basically... A new camera, the uh, redesigned, ver not redesigned, but uh, that was actually part of the problem. It was just a new M50 with some light software updates, and really this camera needed hardware updates. It did not get the new dual pixel autofocus 2 that Canon is using in their latest cameras, and it had a really, really bad 4K crop. So get this. The M50 Mark II is an APS-C camera, right? So what's, what's that crop typically? Like 1.6, 1.5. Yeah, so 1.6 on Canon. And on top of that, this camera had a 1.5 times crop. So when you're shooting 4K video, you have a total crop of 2.4 times. Wow, that's yeah. pretty intense. Really bad. Good zoom, though. If you, so if you wanted to do wildlife photography and stuff, maybe, videography. Maybe, maybe there's a bright side. Yeah. Uh, the next camera was the Panasonic G100. It's a micro four-thirds camera marketed for vloggers, but... It had no image stabilization in the body, so it was relying on electronic video stabilization. There was no face detect autofocus. There was a heavy crop when shooting 4K, 1.26 times in regular mode, 1.37 times with image stabilization in standard. Again, this is the electronic stabilization. And 1.79 times with image stabilization in high mode when shooting 4K for $750. This was a huge flop, especially Wasn't considering... It just kind of like a repackaged version of another one of the cameras? Yeah, disaster, disaster. And we had the ZV-1 come out, 800 bucks. That absolutely crushed this. Face detect, autofocus. But that's, granted, that's only a one-inch sensor, though. It's true, but for a camera and that's not marketed for... Not interchangeable lenses. But yeah, but for vloggers, how can I you guess, vlog I with guess. a 1.29 times crop? You got to get a 8 ultra, millimeter lens. Ultra wide. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think those are definitely they're they're definitely they're not as far as as like the Surface Duo, but those are definitely I'd put the worst of tech. They definitely not great. Deserve that brand. All right, uh, moving out of I think. Do you have any more cameras or no? No more That's cameras. It. All right, moving out 
Let's go to something that didn't even make it through the year. Oof. We'll talk about Quibi. Oh my gosh. This is, remember that? Do you remember that? I, I forgot about it entirely, yeah. to be honest with you. This is something that didn't even, you know, launched, not, not the beginning of the year, launched April, launched April 6th, actually, and was announced to be closing just six months later in October and officially shut down December 1st. So it's RIP, actually. It's literally it's dead. And this, so this, I- this is insane. I mean, if you don't remember, this was this app that promised the ability to watch. Quibi stood for Quick Bits, so shorter episodes, like 8 to 10 minute episodes on your phone. You could rotate it from horizontal to vertical, and it was using some proprietary technology and software to be able to like crop it in differently. And it was actually, it did work pretty well, honestly, the vertical framed videos, but it just never gained traction. I don't know. They said, or the CEO said, it was because of the pandemic. And that, you know, their whole business model kind of relied on people commuting and, you know, wanting to watch quick bits on the go going to work. But if they're at home, you know, they just, okay, I'll just sit down and watch a TV show or a movie, which that does kind of make sense, but doesn't explain the fact that by the end, they only had 500,000 subscribers when, and co- comparatively, HBO Max launched in May and currently has 13 million subscribers. So huge difference. Just, yeah. And Quibi burned through. billion in that time frame. Yeah, original content. I heard they uh, paid and made 175 TV shows or different shows, which is just insane. I I think, you know, we have to take time to realize that YouTube is also thriving and the content on there is around 8 to 10 minutes for, you know, some typical movies. So I really think there were problems with Quibi. You couldn't use it with Google Chromecast. You couldn't. Uh, basically enjoy shows how people like to enjoy yeah, shows. Yeah, they were really just so focused on their idea and like what they were doing that they didn't pay attention to what the consumer wanted. Yeah, that was, a, so it was a really, uh, you know, a warning to anyone out there trying to create who has such a, you know, ah, I want to do this. This is going to be genius. And then just doesn't list to pe- listen to people going, hey, maybe you should add this. Yeah. Like, are, are you going to miss Quibi? Did you like it? or Honestly, there was a couple of shows on there I kind of liked and <laughs> wanted to see the end of. And I don't think we'll, unless they get bought up by maybe, a, you know, Netflix or Hulu, which would be Lessons. awesome. Yeah. But I, I don't think we'll see them ever, which I am kind of sad about. There was the one by Anna Kendrick or featuring Anna Kendrick where she was, she, there was a, a sex doll that, came to life in her mind like she imagined it coming to life that was it was her something it was really weird it was really weird but it was kind of hilarious uh and then there was also one by um i think it was it was featuring a caitlin olsen or something from always sunny and it, yeah very two great comedies but r.i.p it's gone so. i will not be missing that's it that's definitely a tech fail no you wouldn't be no okay never got into all right it. well uh let us know if you're in stetson's camp or mine but either way that's definitely deserves to be in the worst of tech 2020. Absolutely. I think uh, something that will be missed by me All right. is the Google Photos free high quality storage. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's not technically dead. It's not dead. Not yet. But, but it's, it's put on a ventilator and that's a little too, that's a little too, that's a little too close to home. Whoa, tone it back here. Situations. But it was given a, you know, you have this many months to live. Uh, don't you also want to include uh, Google Music in this possibly? Yeah, that's a great one to include. That actually uh, died. I think I have that. So there's a really great website, Products Killed by Google. Uh, so many were killed this year. Google Play Music was one of them. And this was one of uh, Google's music streaming services. It actually worked quite well. It was almost nine years old. So to me, this indicates like it's too old. Nothing is safe. Google has to kill yeah. it. <laughs> it's too old. Oh, exit. 
And yeah, don't let it get into double digits. What happened is Google migrated everyone over to YouTube Music. And and what do you think? What's your review? My review is I think the app is a little bit better on YouTube Music, but I really dislike how it integrates so closely with YouTube where, you know, some of the songs you'll get kind of the ambient noises that are in the video and make sense, but not necessarily in the actual song. Gabe's like shrugging that off, not a big no, deal. No, no, I, I was no. That was more of a. That's so dumb. Why oh, can't yeah. they just figure out a way to get also the actual music? Just upload with the music video the actual tracks. So if people are, you know, listening, yeah. And the other thing is that when you create playlists on YouTube, typically for your videos, uh, now you also have your music playlists shown up there, and I do not like that. So that's my take. I mean, I'm sad to see Google Play Music go. But hopefully YouTube music does get some needed improvements and some attention. Uh, but yeah, considering it's included with YouTube premium, I really can't complain too much. Like it's really nice just having those both together. Yeah, I think this is really a fail because it marks the point where Google has gone from giving, you know, giving a lot to users to then all of a sudden going, all right, you know, well, with Google Play Music, basically you could, I did it for my dad where I downloaded you know, took, or ripped all of his DVDs or CDs yeah. that he had right? Uploaded them to the cloud. You got 50,000 songs stored free. So I did that. But now it's just, you know, you migrated over and like if YouTube had a match for it on YouTube music, then cool. You had it. If not, it's, you know, it's, it's stored in a weird place in the library on YouTube oh, music. And then also Google photos, you know, Google was giving you all this great stuff, uh, you know, storing your photos for free, especially if you had a pixel, you got unlimited storage, but you know, now they're like, all right, we've trained our AI to recognize the stuff. We've used your data enough. Now it's time to pay the piper and they're asking people to pay. So it's really the end of this kind of free, you know, Google giving this all this great stuff to you and kind of more now, all right, you have to pay or you have to at least jump through our hoops. Yeah, I think uh, another Google product that actually ties in with another product that I want to put in here was Google Nest Secure. So this was a home security system with an alarm, a keypad and a motion sensor with an embedded microphone. It was almost three years old and actually was died in 2020. Was died? It was died. Yes, that's correct. Okay. It was it was, it was was killed. And the other product that I had here was actually the Amazon Ring. And I think you brought this up when we were looking at home security cameras, but these were actually catching on fire. I, I, would, I don't think I ever brought this up. Really? Well, yeah. the Ring security cameras were catching on fire. Uh, and there was actually a product recall in November of this year. And what was happening is if the device wasn't properly screwed in, the battery could overheat and cause a thermal event. So, I mean, I guess that's pretty bad. I, that's so pretty bad. It's hard, to, it's hard to really argue against that. Um, yeah. Do, how many more do you have left? On your list? Uh, I, I have, have one, one more have one that's more. worth mentioning. All right. I have one more as well. This one could be controversial. And we've already talked about this product, uh, but it's the AirPods Max. And... I couldn't help but put this on the list because I think this. Okay, so I do think that there's a very much a chance that come two years from now or so, I'm going to be eating my words, and this will now, like the AirPods, be like the new trend that all the headphones are following. They all look like this. They all are using you know the same design aesthetics and you know the same language um, when describing the headphones. However, given how great of a year Apple has had with their introductions and their products they've launched, this just seemed like such a miss and such a, like kind of just, huh? Well, you yeah, know? what did you not like about it? What what did you have problems with? I mean, it's with? really just the price. I don't know why. So it's just, it's just the price? It's really the price, I it's think. The, pri that, the price is the fail? 
the price is really the fail. So the product might be okay, the but product it's the might price. be okay, but it's kind of like the HomePod original one where they just put too big of a price on it, you know. And they yes, they'll sell it to their Apple fanboys who have money or the really people who are just into audio and like Apple as well. But it just feels like they I don't know they they missed the mark a little bit here. Maybe even if they did four ninety nine, I could see that being all right. All right, just five hundred Apple tax. But for some reason, five hundred fifty dollars just feels so much more than four hundred ninety nine. What gets me is the replacement ear cups are seventy nine dollars per cup. Yeah, pretty well, sure. Well, we didn't mention actually the, the ear cups are magnetic, which is kind of a cool That's thing. Really, I mean, they're designed really well. I mean, yeah. I so think, like overall, it's a great product. But when it comes to like tech fails, it's not necessarily like is it just a great product or is it not a great product? It's the whole you know marketing the launch, everything the experience yeah and for me the like the zeiss zx1 which still i don't think is the greatest product but with airpods uh max especially also the naming let's just talk about that why are you calling it airpods i don't max? see a problem here what <laughs> that doesn't make any sense i'm kidding yeah the only thing i could think is that eventually they're like next year or, or later you know possibly 2022 they're going to release the airpods max pro you mean the pro max Sorry, AirPods Pro Max. There we go. At a higher price and then drop these down. What would you price the AirPods Pro Max at? I think AirPods Pro Max would come in at maybe $600 or 650 and then these would drop down to like 450 Interesting. Potentially. I'm not sure. We'll have to see, but, you know, given... I Like, I think the best prediction for these is going to be like the HomePod, basically. These were their R&D, the pinnacle of all their... What the research and, you know like four years of basically of work went into creating these. So this is like what they've created and they're just like, all right, we're just going to sell them for super expensive. You know, we'll make as many of we as we have to make. If people want to buy it for that, we'll sell quality quantity or quality over quantity, you know, make a huge profit on each one. And then two, three years from now, we'll release more affordable ones. Kind of like what they did with the HomePod and then the HomePod mini. Like sure. HomePod's this great technological marvel, but not a lot of people are going to actually buy it. And then, you know, two, three years later, boom, HomePod mini, same price as all their smart speakers and really competitively made. Do you think Bose and Sony will respond with the WH-1000 XM4 Max? Max? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I really hope not. And I, if anything, I do think we could see Bose and Sony potentially release a more premium version, possibly, but I don't think so. I think they love where they're sitting right now. Uh, they're very affordable. And then What's crazy well, to me... Well, they're affordable just in comparison. Now. Yeah, I guess that should be in air quotes. Yeah. But uh, it's a much better value, I guess, is what I'm going for yeah, for a headphone. Definitely. Like, if you're in that price range, it's such a good deal. And then when you're in Apple's price range, like, all of a sudden you're looking at studio quality monitor headphones. Really, well, really nice. Real audiophile stuff, like uh, Bowers Wilkins and what other ones? Sennheiser, Behringer. Yeah, stuff that you're going to pay, you know, s- several hundred dollars or, or even thousands of dollars for. But, you know, that's the type of people who are like sitting down in like a really nice room and like listening to really their, enjoying to their, their music, like premium 24 bit audio or something like that. Something stupendous. All right. Yeah. My last product. All right. It is in the Apple ecosystem. Oh, boy. It is the iPhone 12. It was not. Whoa. It was Whoa. not USB type C. And that is a big that's... tech fail of 2020. <sighs> I don't know about that. I, uh, you don't know about Apple just switched the iPad Air to USB C. Yeah, and we got iPhones with with Lightning. Like, what are they doing? Everyone has Lightning ports though, or Lightning cables. Everyone has USB C cables now. I, I would actually beg to differ. When okay, I know many people who don't have USB C or nor know what USB C even is. Wow, so 
I think, you know, it is going to be the future, but I think Apple not switching to Lightning is... You mean to USB-C? Sorry, from Lightning to USB-C, I think, is just their decision, which I've said before, that they're going to go straight from Lightning they to will go no portless. port. And they're instead of instead yeah. of introducing a confusing USB-C somewhere in the middle, they're going to say, screw the haters who said we should have switched to USB-C three years ago. We're going to go right to portless, but... All That's right. just my take, but I, I, I kind of do see how that could be. A it's just such a fail. silly thing. I mean, what gets me too is they're still making Lightning products, the new AirPods Max, charge via Lightning. I think I think actually what you should do with this one is just broaden it out to all the tech products that came out in 2020 that were using micro USB. Oh my gosh. Wait, that's the Sure the MV7. The MV7. Um, there's, there's multiple ones yeah, out there. What are they doing? Why? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, lie. even the DJI, the uh, original Mavic Mini last year, was using USB um, or micro USB. They did remedy that though this year with the Mini Two now uses Thankfully. USB-C, right? Gets me so excited. Like I'm, I'm really looking forward to USB-C, all the things, and we're almost there. Yeah, we're so. almost there where you can just bring like three cables, all USB-C on your trips, and be good to go. Charge Computer, everything. phone, tablet, you name it, across the board. That all, and then they have all right. Here's USB-D. Now we have the new one, which is wireless i guess gabe do you have any other products honorable mentions honorable dumpster fires contained disasters no that's really it i mean this was there was a lot of good products this year i think there probably are definitely some more that we could have uh, been a little i'm sure there's like like I, I almost wanted to put on here the nintendo switch just their their stock and the fact that they have you know completely run out this time at a time when everyone needs a nintendo switch what are they doing well, and the fact and also Look, other consoles, the new gen consoles are all sold out, and so people are like, "Ah, I wanted to get a gaming thing from my, uh, you know, son, friend, cousin, whatever for Christmas, but what do I do? I'll just get no. Wait, Nintendo oh, Switch also one's... sold out. Okay, what else can you game yeah. on? Uh, yes. Apple Arcade board games. <laughs> yeah. So, but I I get the fact that they probably also had some issues with manufacturing due to COVID nineteen. So they get a pass. But they get they, a pass. They get a hey, you better watch it because next year. Could be it better be in list. stock. When the next one comes out, yeah. we want it full stock. Full stock, full send. Either way, that's going to be it for this episode. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Patreon to get early access to our best of tech series or pitching the best tech products against each other in a really fun uh, bracket style event. So join us there. You can follow us at Pinch to Zoom Pod on Twitter at Pinch to Zoom Podcast on Instagram. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And we look forward to talking to you in the next episode. Biggest tech fail of the year should really just be the fact that it's 2020 and Twitter still doesn't let you edit your tweets. They said we'd do that. They'd add the feature if everyone wore a mask. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, but, that's what you know, it, we had this problem where not everyone's shucks please wear your mask yeah i don't care about the coronavirus at all just wear the mask so we can get editing on twitter i want that edit button bring it